streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Welcome to Rick Bonfin Ministries Morning Bible Study. Streaming here from Athens, Georgia. My name is Jonathan Dunn. Welcome from around the world, wherever you're listening from. We are watching on our uh, website there has a little map that shows us that people are listening from everywhere, the Philippines and India and even Iran and China and uh, Brazil especially and Ireland and Canada and Japan and all over the world people are listening to our Bible studies and that's honestly just, uh, it's uplifting to us. Why? Because, well, we're, we're an evangelistic and missions ministry. We want to see the gospel spread throughout all the world and it's amazing that we have this technology, so thank you for listening to us. Stay tuned as we are going to be improving our programming over the next uh, weeks and months uh, to uh, spruce it up a little bit. We're going to try to get some new equipment, rearrange some things. So stay tuned, and, and, and it'll be fun as we sort of explore some different ways that we can improve our programming. Uh, done with the advertisement. Now on to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And Pastor Rick began this on Thursday evening, uh, this past Thursday. And uh, we began to look at the, the, the scene where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. And so in verse 12, uh, as, as he's, he's finished the foot washing and everything, he, he then has some... Uh, is it verse 12? Yeah. Verse 12, he said unto them, and then, uh, he, so he finishes the washing, and he'd taken his garment and sat down again, and he said unto them, Do you know what I have done to you? And, of course, the answer is no. The disciples really had no idea at that point what Jesus was actually doing. But then he begins to explain, and as, as happens all the time with the disciples of Jesus, Jesus says things, that are far beyond their ability to assimilate into their worldview at this time because uh, they didn't really understand the purpose and mission of Jesus yet. Okay, but that is one of the marks of prophetic ministry is that a lot, somebody who operates in the prophetic will say things that don't make no sense, as me and Matt say around here sometimes. <laughs> they just don't fit within uh, sort of our earthly worldview it just doesn't seem to fit and so i want to i want to suggest to you that 
if you're around a man or a woman of God, that you, you, you see fruits and you know that there's somebody who has a lot of fruit and they, they have a powerful ministry, but a lot of the things they say just don't seem to fit, I, I want to ask you not to judge that prematurely. Just let it be for now. Because, see, Jesus is about to say some things to disciples, to the disciples that just don't fit in their worldview and their understanding of God and, and, and what it means to, to follow God and, and be a religious person. Uh, and, but Jesus is going to speak forth that prophetic ministry to them, and later they're going to understand it. Okay? So he says to them, You call me Master and Lord, and say you well. He's owning the titles now. Yeah, I am your teacher, Master, and I am Lord. So two different titles, and he says that he's both of them. For so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Okay? So there's a direct correlation between the actions of Jesus and the actions that He is expecting of those who follow Him. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is no greater than his Lord, neither he who is sent greater than he who sends him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So Jesus here institutes what uh, you know we call servant leadership. Okay, and this isn't the only place he does it. Um, you know, one of the most famous passages we have is uh, Matthew twenty, twenty-five to twenty-eight, where Jesus called them and his disciples and said, "You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them." And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But who, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever sh- would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's another one of the famous passages where Jesus institutes servant leadership. But this passage it's very striking because it's not just sort of a proclamation of a principle. Jesus physically, with his own hands, washes their dirty feet just as a servant would wash the feet of somebody who comes into a house. So he gives a real-life, practical example of what it means to serve. So... How are we going to interpret this during this time when there is so much anger and unrest in America? And those of you watching from around the world, if you don't know what's going on in America right now, America has its its own version of prejudice and racism. It's a, it's all it's all over the world in different forms. America has its own form of it, and it's heartbreaking for sure. And you know, as Pastor Rick reminded us this morning. As horrible as it is, uh, the blackest spot in America is that uh, is that we are aborting babies in the millions every year, and we have no consciousness about it. Uh, we do have a consciousness about racism right now, um, and it is a black spot. Um, however, as Christians, we can't get in involved in the violence, right? We can't. But we also can't be passive. So we want to be helpful. We want to do something 
Because, you know, we're not called to be detached from society, but to be involved and help bring about the kingdom uh, as much as possible. And so, how do we be active without being angry and without being bitter? And it's through the acts of service. Because, see, serving is not a passive thing. You don't become a doormat by serving. Okay? In other words, Peter said to Jesus, no, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, no, this this is a conscious act of choice, and I'm doing it whether you want it or not. I am choosing to serve you. You don't have to accept it, and I'm not going to do it how you want me to do it, but I'm going to do an act of service for you whether you like it or not. It's an act of service. And so... As the church of God is trying to say, how are we going to be active and not be just stand on the side and then look like we're weak and wimpy at the end of all this? What are we going to do? Well, we have to find ways to do acts of service for others who are hurting in society. And, and that's, that's uh, a real thing. There's real power in that. Because Jesus says, this is how I overcame. Go ahead. <laughs> they heard that. <laughs> Go ahead, Cindy. You talk about the acts of service. And um, this weekend when I was watching some of the news, I saw people that came behind the looters and the people mm-hmm. that were uh, defacing, you know, property, private yeah. property and stuff. And they were out there with buckets and sponges and brushes cleaning it up. Just, Amen. you know, just coming behind all that, that anger in love yeah. and in service yeah. to clean it up. That's, that's an awesome practical example. And, you know, there's probably a lot of people who end up getting injured. They're going to need some people there, some volunteers. Salvation Army is probably going to come in trying to help with some relief. Volunteer, You know, so there are some practical things that the church can do. We can hold prayer services on the side of the protests. Okay? Just praying, just asking God to come and intervene. And this is, uh, you know, I didn't really expect to do this this morning with this passage. But, you know, and, and so I'm going to move on from this. But I want to ask that pastors listening, church leaders listening, what is it that we can do to actively serve our community right now when there's so much anger, there's so much unrest, there's so much bitterness? And, and it's true, you know, that, you know, people are tired of it and the white privilege and all that. I mean, it's just exhausting because it just continues. Okay, uh, But there are some things we can do. And we can't give up hope. And we have to stay engaged in people's real lives because people are hurting. We have to remember that. Amen? So this is a profound moment where Jesus is establishing the culture and lifestyle that He is going to expect from everybody that follows Him. Let me say that again. This is a moment. One moment, and there were many. There were were many, but this is a really powerful moment. Just as Jesus is looking towards the cross and He knows that He's about to be betrayed by Judas, and He's looking at the cross, and this He establishes what He expects the culture and lifestyle of those who follow Him to be like. And so He says, Do you know what I've done for you? In other words, I am trying to show you who I want you to be after I'm gone. Not only you, but all those who will come to believe in my name because of your ministry. 
This is what I want my people to be like. Servants. Not wimpy servants. Active servants. Let me... Let, let me because see, the world has this idea that Christians are, are wimpy sometimes. And that we're doormats. And, and that loving others simply means that you, you just say it's okay. Okay, but that is not the type of service that Jesus is talking about here. Active service means that you see the needs of somebody, because see, people don't understand their own needs. Well, that's something we know in our ministry, right? When somebody comes to you, they don't understand their own needs. They think they might understand, but oftentimes the things that they think they need are the things that they want, and the things that they want are really what they need. Wait, I said that all wrong. But they think that what they need is really what they want. That's really what they want. They think what they need in life is really just something they want. And they're totally blind to what they actually need, their actual true brokenness. And so, as someone who is looking to serve the needs of others, okay, we have to be able to look them in the eye and say, I can't do what you want. I'm going to serve you, but I'm going to serve you based on my understanding of what's going on in your life and what God is telling me about you. So don't expect me just to bow to your whims and your wishes and your and whatever you want. If you're going to come to me for ministry, I will serve you. I'll drive to Tennessee. I'll do what I need to do. But you know what? It's going to be, it's going to be on my terms because I'm the one. I'm 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 the one who God called me to minister to your needs, and, and I can't listen to you telling me what you think you need, and then I just do whatever you want me to do. Nobody's any good at that point. Pastors, are you listening to me? Please don't do that to your congregation. Oh, but so-and-so gives so much money. Well, you don't have to be all in their face, but, you know, you, you could challenge them a little bit here and there. Come on. Uh, just a little soapbox thing there, you know. Um. This is a not not about making people mad. Sometimes you got to get people upset to get them to move. You know, that's sort of a tactic you might use sometimes. But, you know, it's, it's not just to be a stick in the mud and be mean to people or anything like that. It's simply knowing who you are. And see, that's what Jesus did with the disciples. He, he couldn't let them tell Him what to do. If He did, He wouldn't be any good to them. So He saw where they were. And by the way, that's another. that's just a little thing of prophetic ministry. He saw where they were, and he saw in the Spirit, he saw where they could be. And so he chose to speak into that, speak into them that they were something they weren't yet, but knew they were going to be to try to get them to move from point A to point B. And so prophetic ministry is one, you know, there are, I do believe God raises prophets to speak to nations and worldwide things and stuff like that, but most prophetic ministry that I personally have seen working for Pastor Rick and just traveling a little bit here and there, when I think about the bishop in Cuba and, and uh, people that I've, I've just met, ministry leaders, prophetic ministry is about people. Speaking into people's lives to get them to move from one point to another. Believing that who they are now is not it. That they can change. And it's so hard sometimes to look at somebody and give in and say, that's just who they're going to be. We can't do that as followers of Christ. Because, I mean, you look at the disciples, and I mean, you know, honestly, 
the hopeless of all hopelessness, right? And I'm one of them. And Paul the Apostle said, look, man, I, I was the least. I mean, I, I was just totally lost. I mean, I, I was just off the rails doing whatever I wanted to do. I was nowhere near the will of God. But man, Jesus believed that Paul could change. And so God forgive us when we just begin to be apathetic and passive and say, well, I guess they're not going to change. I guess that's just, I guess that's just who they're going to be. And so I'll just give up on that one. They're breathing, there's hope. Okay? So we might have moments where we struggle, but and Jesus, <laughs> I think, had some moments with the disciples where he was like, Father, is this really what you got? I mean, I got to, is this all, this is the clay you gave me? <laughs> How am I supposed to make anything out of this? You know, he probably had those moments, you know, in his, in his flesh where he struggled with that temptation, you know. How long shall I put up with you? Yeah, like, like, come on, Lord, uh, Father, you know, give me something more to work with. But, but honestly, you know, who's to say I was any better? I could, I could have just, you know, I was just as off. I was just as clueless, living for myself. Just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And praise God, a little Casio piano up in uh, North Carolina singing Awesome God, Save My Soul. You know, and it's been... I've been a work in progress, taking a lot of time, but God changed me. So don't give up on anybody. If they're breathing, there's hope. Ask the Lord to show you where to begin. All right, I got off my notes a little bit here, but I want to go back um, because I want to move on a little bit from this. By the way, there's a bunch of verses I didn't read. I read the big one, Matthew 20, about uh, you know serving. But that carries on as a theme throughout the New Testament, 1 Peter 2.16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. 2 Corinthians 4.5, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And then, of course, Philippians, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So this is the culture of servant leadership that uh, Jesus expects of us. But let's move on to John and chapter uh, 13, verse 8, as Jesus begins to deal with Judas. Now, verse 18. Now, I was... Uh, I said, Lord, you know, I I could read a book and I could give a book report, as, as Pastor Rick says. Or you could show me something. And I felt like the Lord showed me something. I just want to share it to you. That this John presents this passage uh, with the foot washing scene and then he deals with Judas and Judas goes away and then Jesus addresses the disciples again. So there's a section where Jesus talks to the disciples with Judas there. And then in between is a section where he deals with Judas and Judas goes away and then Jesus addresses the disciples again directly. Okay? And I said, okay, what's going on? And I just felt like the Lord was saying, well, look at how it's organized. The, the Apostle John wanted to make it perfectly clear that Jesus washed 
Judas's feet. Judas was in the room and Jesus washed his feet knowing that in his heart he was about to betray him. And honestly, that was simply just overwhelming to me when the Lord showed me that little thing. That John put this together on purpose so that there will be no doubt. Because let's, let's look at it here and we're going to see that actually the disciples, even though Jesus was telling them that one of them would betray them, they were just clueless. They didn't know what Judas was doing. They did not know. So the disciples didn't know that Judas was about to betray Jesus. It was later. I mean, I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, after the cross, after the resurrection, after Pentecost, you know, Peter and John are just kind of sitting around, sharing stories, remembering everything that happened while Jesus was in the flesh. And, and then one of them goes, Jesus washed the feet of Judas. John, did, did you catch that? Yeah, wow, Peter, that's... And then he... So then, if he's going to do that for Judas, does it mean that we have to be of the same spirit? John, did you know we were getting into that? No, Peter, I didn't know we were getting into that. You know? <laughs> I, I did not know that this call to follow Jesus was going to go to that extent. And then they begin to remember passages. And I'll come back to John, but I'm, you know, I'm jumping around. They begin to remember passages like, Matthew five, forty three to forty eight, you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Persecution comes in all kinds of forms. It's not just physical, it comes through all kinds of forms. Pray for those who persecute you. It's hard to pray for somebody that you hate, by the way. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He makes His sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. In other words, love your enemies. That's the culture that Jesus is presenting here and He washes the feet of the one who is going to betray Him into the hands of those who will put Him on the cross. Jesus says, I speak not of all of you. In other words, not all of you are going to be able to accomplish this goal of following Me in this servant leadership concept. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now, I tell you, before it come, that when it, sh when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Remember our conversation with John and Peter? After it come to pass? Oh, that's what Jesus was doing. He was washing the feet of his persecutor. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who receives... Whomsoever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. So that's a, a principle there that Jesus is presenting. But I want to stay on Judas. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that 
One of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one to another, doubting of whom he spoke. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spoke. So, who is it about? You know, Jesus, who, who's going to do this? I mean, goodness gracious. He then lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop. In other words, the, the bread I've dipped. When I have dipped it, and when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That you do, do quickly. I want to say something about... Um, uh, I had some notes here. So what can we learn about loving our enemies? I want you to see that Jesus essentially is in control of the situation and says, okay, Judas, uh, you can go do what, you want, what you're wanting to do now. In other words, our enemies have no power over us unless God allows it in His time. Our enemies have no power over us unless God allows it in His time and to accomplish His own purposes. You see, Jesus was not afraid to wash the feet of Judas because He knew that Judas had no power except that He was going to fulfill God's purpose in the end. Does that mean that Judas was forced to do it? I believe no. I believe Judas chose to do it and that God knew that was in the heart of G Judas. And uh, but then, uh, but he washed the feet of Judas, knowing that Judas had no power until God allowed. So when the time came, Judas was released to do it. But until then, he wasn't allowed to do anything. God will use our enemies to fulfill His own purposes in our lives. God will use our enemies to fulfill His own purposes in our lives. And then, God cannot fulfill His purposes in our lives if we choose not to love our enemies. Those are the three, just three, I mean, this is just me praying and asking God to show me what he's, what he's trying to tell us through these Scriptures. Our enemies have no power over us unless God allows it in His time. God will use our enemies to fulfill His own purposes in our lives. And God cannot fulfill His purposes in our lives if we choose not to love our enemies. Is there an enemy out there that you are just resisting to pray for? Somebody's hurt you, persecuted you, spoken against you, said mean things, but you are refusing to pray for them. You're refusing to at least ask that God would change their hearts. You see, they might be like Paul. They might be like Paul. It's a prophetic prayer for an enemy. Say, God, this person, these people, this organization is so hateful. They hate everything. They're full of hate and bitterness. And they want to tear me down. But so did Paul. Paul was killing Christians. You changed them, transformed them. God, could you do the same? I've got to believe you can or else, you know, what good is my faith? So, God, I'm going to pray now. Begin there, somewhere. And there's a lot of hurt involved. It's not that simple. Forgiveness is hard. You know, 
So, so don't, say, don't, don't, don't hear me say it's easy or, or it's just you flip a switch or something like that. You've got to fight for it sometimes, but God will honor that heart. Because if we really want God to fulfill our purposes, and we really want to be who God calls us to be, we have to be able to wash the feet of the Judases that are in our lives. So ask God to help you know how to do that today. Thank you for listening this morning. We look forward to being with you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Pray for America right now. Pray for the church in America that we would not sit back and be idle and passive, but that we would find active ways to serve and to be a positive force in our community. Amen? Okay, we'll, uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.lateran.com for more teaching. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.lateran.com for more teaching. See you next time.